0: Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is within me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God.
1: Good morning, church family. Um, My name is Lee. I'm the family pastor here. We're so grateful that you've chosen to join us this morning. If this is your first time checking us out, we just want to say welcome. Thank you for giving up time on your Sunday morning to spend with us as we worship together, as we go over what God's Word has to say to us. So last week, Pastor Matt finished up our series in Ruth. And so when the shutdown began to happen, the quarantine things began to happen, we kind of, as a pastoral staff, we kind of regathered and said, you know what, where do we want to go after this this Ruth series? And so we settled on going into the Psalms, right? Things, Things that we're able to pray through, the things that God has given us and because everybody was dealing with all these kind of emotions of how the shelter in place was impacting them and it was causing trouble for a lot of people and there was a lot of mental health things going on and just how to deal with that people who you know were were terrified of what was happening people who wanted to be extra cautious people who thought we don't need to be as cautious as we're being but everybody was kind of dealing internally with those things and so When we talked about this kind of at the beginning, I guess it was the middle, end of March when this happened, my first thought was to go to to Psalm 42. Because in Psalm 42, it talks about, in in verse 4, this was kind of the verse that stood out to me, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Because at that point, that's what we were thinking about, right? As a, as a church body, that's what we love about being here is because we feel like we're with family. We feel like we're able to connect to people. And so we've kind of, even from the beginning, when can we get back into church? When can we worship together? And so that, when we first started looking at this, that, that was the angle I was coming at, was this idea of, hey, how, when can we be together? This psalm is written by one of the singers of the temple who was exiled, And he was thinking about, right, during this time in the Old Testament, the presence of God was in the temple. So that's where people would go to worship, and that's where where everything would happen, where the singing would take place. And so now he's away from that, and he's longing deeply to be back in that scenario, to be able to worship God with others. As as, as we read in verse 1, as the deer pants for the water. That's how his soul was longing to be back in that moment. Now for us, God's not just confined to the temple, right? Like the Holy Spirit, when Jesus came, the Holy Spirit was given to those of us who are believers. So, so we are basically temples. God is with us at all times. So what is this longing, this longing of being together and of being in community? So that's where I was going to head with this. But as the events of the last few weeks have continued to unfold, uh, my heart has been heavier than I remember in a very, very long time. And so what that has led to, as I've prepared to preach this, is is many sleepless nights, just time praying, God, what would you have me say? We're at such a crazy time in our country. So many things are going wrong, so many things are chaotic. Lord, what, what needs to be done? What needs to be talked about? We're not at a moment in time where we can just stand by and just kind of see what happens. We're way past that point. And so as I began to pray and think about this, looking at Psalm 42, my focus began to be more on verse 5. Let's look at verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And so that really began to hit me because my soul through this has been downcast. It has been disturbed by the things that are going on throughout our country. The the murders of people in the black community, the the rioting, the looting, all of those things have been going through my mind and and just wanting to know, like, God, you have a word for us. If the Bible... Is going, to, is going to teach us the things, God, that you've revealed about yourself, how we should live, how we should, we should respond to people, then in searching for answers for all of those things, we can look to your word and find that. And so that's kind of where this shift has come. This is where through, through many nights of prayer, and, and you can ask my wife about this, just nights of not being able to sleep, because of, of wanting, wanting to address this issue, wanting to be gracious about it, uh, knowing that at the same time, if I decide to address this, there are people, some of you watching right now, that are going to say, Lee, you're, you're saying too much. We don't really need to get into this. There are going to be people that are saying, Lee, you're not saying enough. You need to say more. There are going to be people maybe that aren't happy with the tone that, I, that I'm bringing, and so... If, if, you're, if you're thinking about falling into one of those camps, please just, just, just let me tell you, I, ha- I have prayed about this every night. I've lost sleep over this. I've had to work this out with my kids and talking to them and thinking about what God would have us do. And, and at no point has the answer been to sit on the sidelines and pretend like this isn't happening. And so please, I, I, I ask that you extend me grace as I talk about this. I, I'm not going to get this perfect. I'm, I'm trying to listen to God speak to me. I'm trying to listen to what His Spirit is telling me. So please understand that the place I'm coming from with all this is a place of how Christians, in response to what Christ has done for us, how we can impact the world around us in a way that honors God and that honors other people. The mission statement of our church is that we want to see lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus for the glory of God and the good of our world. That includes all aspects of our world. That includes all people in this world. And so as my heart began to break about this, I began to think, why? Why, 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 why is this hitting me so heavy? And, and it should. And I think part of the reason that is hitting me so heavy when I reflect on the injustice and the killing of those in the black community, of our brothers and sisters in the black community, and to look back over my life and to see my inaction on so many fronts. This is not the first time something like this has happened in our country. It's it's not even close. These things have been happening for, for hundreds of years. There's been racism for hundreds of years. And every time I would hear about things, it would always bother me, it would always anger me, it would always upset me, it would always send my soul to mourning. And so I would, you know, join the, you know, the conversation or, you know, post something on social media. And then I would kind of go on about the rest of my day, the rest of my week, the rest of my life. Because that's what we've done a lot of times in in my experience as a white man. is to be uncomfortable with the topic of race. To not want to talk about it because it has made me uneasy. Listen, for those of you that have heard me speak before, I've said it a lot of times, I grew up in Louisiana. I grew up in the South. I have seen my fair share of racist incidents in my life. I have stood idly by while things were said that were not okay. And then I knew they were not okay. And I did nothing. And I said nothing. And so I think one of the things we think about in this conversation, too, is there are some of us that will say racism isn't real that it's just maybe something here or there, it's one, one bad apple, but those things are prevalent throughout our society. Some of us, and this is the camp that I was in for such a long time, will speak up enough until we're worried it's going to cost us something. Until we say, you know what, if I speak up too much, I may lose some friendships. People may look at me differently. So I, can't, I can speak up a little bit, but only up to a certain point. And some of us have taken action, right? How can we make this better? How can we stand up for our black brothers and sisters in Christ? And my prayer and my hope is that that where we, is where we are all getting to. Because I know that in my past, looking back on those things, my silence has spoken volumes. My silence when, when, when names are being called, when jokes are being told, when racist jokes are being told, my silence is saying that, you know what, I, I'm okay with this happening. That's what that says, that, that I've been okay. I didn't say anything because I was worried about what other people would think of me. And so I chose to be quiet. And so that allows people to continue with calling names that don't glorify God, telling jokes that don't glorify in God, having attitudes about other races that don't glorify God, the same races that, that were created in God's image. Part of God's intentional beautiful plan was ethnicities and colors and races of various kinds because that's how God chose to do it. And he has said that we are all made in his image that includes the ones who are oppressed they're made in god's image and so by me being silent the one thing i have ensured is that things are not going to change being quiet while all these things are happening while while members of the black community are being killed why members of communities that are just marginalized everywhere, it's easy for me as a white man to kind of just stand to the side because I, I know that things are okay for me. And, and I have sought forgiveness. I have repented for that because as we'll see, the, the next things we're going to get into is that Christ has called us to carry the burdens of others and to seek the good of all people. And church, I'll just confess to you right now, I, I, for so much of my life I didn't do that. I haven't done that. And so at the heart of this, what I hope that we'll see through this time is that the biggest thing is that this is a gospel issue. This is a gospel issue through and through. We started in Psalm, I told you about the things in Psalm 42 that have got my heart thinking. So in trying to, to deal with these things and process this, it has also led me to go to, uh, to other scriptures, right? When we talk about this idea, you know, I've heard some people say, well, let's not talk about race in the church and let's not talk about the suppression in the church. Let's just talk about the gospel. But what, what do you think the gospel is? That Jesus died for, for all people and that all can come to him. And so to live that out, like the, these issues are talked about throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament. This is not an issue that, that is not mentioned in Scripture. We're just trying to throw it in there. This is talked about. In Galatians chapter 6, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to read verse 2, and then we're going to read verses 7 through 10. Galatians 6, 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So that's one thing. Carry each other's burdens, it does not say, carry your own burdens and you're good. We're commanded to carry each other's burdens. Even though we may not always understand what those burdens are, we are called to walk alongside those who are suffering. Galatians 6, starting in verse 7 Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh, will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now listen, this is is important for this next part. Verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Therefore, as we have opportunity, verse 10, as we have opportunity, we have opportunity right now. Let us do good to all people. It doesn't say let us do good to the people who look like us. Let us do good to the people who vote like us let us do good only to the people that live in our neighborhood or that live in our family. It says, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. That includes our brothers and sisters in Christ in the black community. It includes us actively seeking how we can be of help. Actively seeking how we can contribute to the good of all people, not just ourselves, not just those who look like us. And so what happens when there is oppression, when there is injustice, as we have seen in the last few weeks against members of the black community, and then we, we dismiss that, then what we're saying is that they're not a part of the community of all people that we are called to help. That's what it tells us. We're saying, you know what, I know it says all people, and I see that there is injustice and wrong things are happening to the black community, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, but it's more convenient for me to stand over here and do nothing. Yes, I, I, God, I see that in the Bible that it tells me as I have opportunity to let us do good to all people. I see that, but Lord, don't, don't you understand what that's going to require of me? I can no longer sit and be comfortable if that's the case. But again, don't, don't, don't just think internally like your own opinion, like look to God's word and see what that says. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. We are in a moment where we have opportunity to do good and to be helpful. We're in that moment where we have opportunity to have these discussions and to listen to people. God has given us this opportunity, and his word says, take advantage of it. Do not become weary in doing good. For those of you that are, that are already on board and are already trying to do things to help the communities that are oppressed in our country, do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good. Keep fighting for that. Keep fighting for the rights of all people. Also in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Our brothers and sisters in Christ in the black community are our neighbors. We are called to love them as we love ourselves. And we take care of ourselves, don't we? We take care of ourselves. We make sure that we are good. And if we're good, at times, we have the idea that, you know what, I I see that there are some things that I don't really like, but I'm good, so I'm just going to pretend that this isn't really happening. And that's going to allow me to go on about my day because I can craft my world in such a way where I don't have to see these videos where I don't have to hear these stories, where I don't have to listen to people of color tell me about their experiences. I can craft my world to look that way. But the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. Because see, what's happening here is, is, as as a white man, I have the privilege to choose whether or not I opt in or opt out of this conversation, of this discussion, of this opportunity to move things forward. See, I, I get to choose. That, that's my privilege, that I get to choose. I have an option. I can decide to opt in. And even if I decide to opt in today and to try and, and, and push this start to re- racial reconciliation in our country In a month from now, if I want to opt out, I still can. For our brothers and sisters who are being oppressed and who are suffering injustice, this is not an option to opt out. Which means if we are going to fulfill the law of Christ, it's really not an option for us to opt out either. How can we opt in? How can we get involved? Are we committed to loving and fighting for people as much as we love and fight for ourselves? Or is our top concern, listen, my rights, my rights. I don't care about other people's rights just as long as I can have mine. And so my question would be, is that mindset one that glorifies Christ? Is that keeping in line with the gospel? That's the thing. The last time I preached was on Galatians chapter 2, and it's a time when Paul calls out Peter Because Peter was eating with the Gentiles. And then once other Jewish people came along, Peter stopped eating with them. And Paul calls him out for being racist. This is something we have to talk about. This is a gospel issue. This is a gospel issue. And so as I think about, again, in Psalm 42, verse 5, the why why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? That's where this started for me. But praise God Almighty that verse 5 does not end there. We finish verse 5 and it says, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Put your hope in God. See, the psalmist does not just sit here in his mourning and in being downcast, he begins to preach to himself what he knows to be true. That in all the things that we can do, our ultimate hope is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our hope is in God. And so, in remembering that, it leads us almost to take action, just like it should lead us to take action. There should be so much time spent in prayer. There should be time listening time lamenting, time to look inwardly at how have we treated other people of of any community that has been oppressed or that has been marginalized or whose voice we have diminished or dismissed. How have I responded to those communities in a way that honors Christ and that shows that the gospel is for everyone? Because if, if my faith does not lead me to action and does not lead me to operate in a way different from the world, then is, is my faith even real? If my faith doesn't end up helping me look for the good of others, then is my faith even real? And I do have hope. I do have hope. I, I My hope is not in humanity. Let me just just say that right now. That's not where my hope is. My hope is in the living God. Because hearts need to be changed. Lives need to be changed. And no amount of words from my mouth or from your mouth can do that. But God actively working in our hearts can change our hearts to look through the lens of, how am I serving Christ for the good of all people? What am I doing to serve Christ? I have hope because I look and see people that I've spoken to, places where I've, I have lived in the South, that I know five years ago would have said, "You know what? I'm I'm going to sit this one out," and who are now realizing, "I I can't sit this out anymore." There's too much heartache, there's too much pain. In, in Romans 12, Paul talks about if one part of the body of Christ suffers, then we all suffer. So e- even, even if you're of the opinion that systemic racism is not a real thing, right? Even, even if you're at that point, the Bible tells us that as believers we are to suffer with those who suffer. And if we see suffering, we need to come alongside people. Do so I have a hope? Because I see that God is changing people's hearts to come alongside. Even if you don't fully agree with the way things are being done, you are still called as a believer to come alongside those who are suffering. You are called to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. Jesus was about comforting the hurt. There are people and. People at all times are hurting. Right now, it seems especially prevalent in the black community in our country. If there are people that are hurting, we need to come alongside and offer comfort, the comfort that only Jesus can give. How are we doing that? Or are we just kind of standing to the side and trying to view everything from a distance? I also have hope because I see God at work in the hearts of my children. Last week, my wife and I sat down our kids and we told them about the recent events. We told them about Ahmad Arbery we told them about Brianna Taylor. We told them about George Floyd. But there's so many more stories that we could have said, but you know, we said, you know what? This is this moment in time. Let's let's start here. And so my children are eight and six. And man, it hurt to have that conversation with them. It hurt my heart. It hurt my spirit. It hurt that we are still in a time where these conversations have to be had. And, and as we're, we're telling this to our kids, just the, the look of shock on, on their faces just broke my heart. My son is eight years old, and he began to weep. Say, Dad, why? Why would people do this? This isn't fair. This isn't right. I don't understand. And have to have to look at my kids and say, guys, there's there's evil in this world. There is. Now, obviously, I, we did not show our kids the videos. But if you have seen the videos, you you can clearly see that there is evil in this world. And so, to also let them know that we we have to stand up for people. It's not enough just for our kids to be sad and to, to be upset about this. And we told them we we're, we're glad that that is a point that they're at. But we also told them, listen. Guys, if we stop here, if, if we're just sad and upset and don't do anything else, nothing's going to change. And to think about, if we don't stand up and do something, then in 20 or 30 years, are my kids going to be having the same conversation with their kids? And so, and so to, tell, to tell our kids, like, listen, guys, here's the deal. These things are not nearly as big of an impact on us because we are white. That's, that's reality. And so there are people, different communities, communities of color around our country that we need to stand up for. Because that is what Christ would have us do, to work for the good of all people. Because here's the thing, as as the family pastor, I'm always thinking of, man, how how can as families, how can I lead my family to, to do more of what Christ has called us to? And how can I help equip families in this church to lean into what God has called us to? And so that's why I knew that we had to have this conversation with our kids. To give you kind of example of what I mean by this, I remember my wife and I sitting down and thinking that, you know, it's going to be important for us that as our kids grow, that they understand that tithing is an important part of belonging to a local church body. But see, they're not just going to automatically know that. We had to have that discussion. And so when they do chores and we give them money, they tithe, a portion of that, of their, the chore money they receive. That's what we have taught them. So that way they don't just grow up coming to their own conclusions or hearing from someone that maybe, you know, that we, we wouldn't tell them the same thing. And so this issue, we realize, listen, in order to make sure that our kids grow up as anti-racist, we've got to have this conversation. Because if we don't have this conversation with them, They're either A, going to come to their own conclusion, which could be dangerous, or do you know who's speaking in your kids' ears? Who has your kids' attention? Is it you? We can't just assume that our kids are going to learn to do the right thing. Obviously, we hope for that. We pray for that. But there has to be teaching in this. There has to be teaching in this. And so that night, as we're continuing to, you know, different questions from the kids are coming up that day, and we continue to have those discussions, and we, we pray about things that are going on in our country that night. And, and we, read, we read this book. It's called God's Very Good Idea, and it's written by Trillia Newbell. And so I have a copy of it in our family resources library in the kids' area, And so what it talks about is how God intentionally created different races, different ethnicities as a way to celebrate his goodness. Families, if you don't have this, let me know. You can put it in the chat right now that you want a copy of this, and I will get one for you. Because we have to start somewhere. We have to start teaching our kids. We have to let them understand that this world was created by God. And that all the different faces that we see, the different pigments, the different hues of those faces are still all in God's image, are all to be celebrated. Our differences are to be celebrated, not to be something to shy away from or to to pretend that there's any less value anywhere. So we prayed and we read this book during that night. And the next day, which was last Sunday after church, we took our kids and we joined in the peaceful protest walking down First Street myself, my wife, and our kids. We did this because we want to stand with people who are suffering. We want to come alongside those who are being oppressed and who are suffering from injustice. And to see that this is is a moment that demands that we do something. That demands that we do something. And so we felt, we talked to our kids and they wanted to go And we took that because I don't want my kids to have to take their kids to a peaceful protest. And so, yes, just the four of us going and walking up and down First Street, yeah, that that didn't change the world in an instant. But we have to start somewhere. Because I don't want to continue to have these moments that happen and I say, Soul, why are you downcast? Why are you in mourning within me? But yet not do anything about it. We have to start somewhere. And so what that does is it sets the tone for our children that we are going to be a family that stands up for people, that stands up for the oppressed, that stands up for the marginalized, for those that don't have a voice. And that, and that involves more than the black community, but right now that seems to be the place that it's needed the most. We do the same thing as we discuss the, the tragedy of abortion. Right? For the voices who are marginalized and who are set to the side, we are going to be a family that stands up for those people. And church, I can also tell you that our pastoral staff, myself, Matt, and Kyle, we have been talking about this for the past couple of weeks now and we'll continue to talk about it. We are committed to being a part of the solution, to being a part of the healing process towards racial reconciliation in our community and in our country. This is not something that we're going to stop talking about after this week. We want to continue to move this conversation forward. We want you to hold us accountable that we are doing something, that we're not just paying this lip service, that there is action to our words. And so what are the things that we can do now? What are the things that we can do now? Well, a couple things. The first thing is listen. Listen to people. Listen to people's experiences. Listen to people's stories. Even if you don't think, if you you don't believe that racism is a problem in our country or that there isn't systemic racism, there's nothing that I can say to you right now that's going to change your mind. But what I would encourage you to do is listen to members of the black community. Listen to your brothers and sisters in Christ who are members of the black community and see what they have to say. Ask them about their experiences. And and when you do that, the problem that we have a lot of times is we listen in order to respond. And so in our listening, we're more focused on responding than we are on listening So listen to their experiences. Listen to the suffering and the pain that they talk about. And as a believer, weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. Because if one part of the body of Christ suffers, we are all suffering. Listen to them. The second thing I would ask you to do, encourage you to do, is to learn. Purchase books like this that can help your family. Um, there are pastors that I love to listen to. Um, Leon's Crump is one of those, and I'll put the list down here. Eric Mason, Dr. Tony Evans, Albert Tate are, are pastors in the black community that I would encourage you to listen to. They are great, great men of God and are doing things to work towards racial reconciliation. Another person that I, I've loved listening to recently is Emmanuel Acho, and he is a former NFL player, and so he has started this video called Uncomfortable Questions with a Black Man. There's a former NFL player who loves Jesus, who, who will openly tell you, first and foremost, he's committed to Jesus. And this video goes through questions that over his life, his white friends have asked him in an attempt to answer that conversation and have that discussion that hopefully will result in more empathy and more understanding of what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. Another book I would strongly recommend is a book called Be the Bridge. It's written by a, a godly woman named Latasha Morrison. And it's about pursuing God's heart through racial reconciliation. Because the, these people that I'm mentioning are, are fully aware and will tell you that the only way that that happens is through the gospel of Jesus. So listen, learn. The next thing we need to do is lament and pray and reflect on where are the times in our lives that we have allowed injustice and oppression to go by, that we've seen it, and we've said, you know what, I'm not participating in it, so I'm not really doing a bad thing, but we continue to watch it go by and do nothing. Where have we not honored God by working for the good of all people? Pray about that. Journal about that time. Ask God to show you those blind spots in your heart. Spend time on your knees and where you need to ask for forgiveness and where you need to repent, do so. I've had to do that. I confess that that's something I've had to do recently. So please, let's let's stand together and let's do that. And lastly, use your resources and influence. Donate to worthy causes that will help in this. One one that that I've seen that I've loved to see what's happened recently is is an organization called Be the Bridge. That's in this let's have conversation. Let's 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 bring this together. Let's bridge the gap between the different race communities in our country and how we can do that in a way that is centered on the gospel. That honors God and that honors and celebrates each other. This is not an easy conversation. This is not an easy discussion. This is this has not been an, an easy sermon for me to talk about. But a lot of times, doing what's right is not doing what's easy. we must do what Christ has called us to do. That is to work for the good of all people, especially to those who are the family of believers. So I want to challenge you this week. Reach out to a brother and sister in Christ in the black community and just, and just listen. The opportunities are in front of us. As we read in Galatians, therefore, as we have opportunity, well, you have opportunity now. What will you do with it? How will you fulfill the law of Christ as you carry the burdens of others? Let's pray. Father God, you are sovereign, you are holy, you are perfect love. And you perfectly created people in your image. People to be celebrated. Lord, I, my hope and my prayer is that there is an awakening that is happening in our country right now. And what an embarrassment it would be for us if the church was not part of leading the way in that. Lord, awaken our hearts. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, you are faithful. You always have been. You always will be. And we lean on that, Lord. We get our hope from you, not from humanity, not from ourselves, but from you. Lord, help us to do the things you have called us to. Help us to have uncomfortable conversations. Help us to listen well and listen in order to understand instead of respond. God, we submit this time to you and ask that you make us aware of the opportunities that you have given us. Help us to bring reconciliation where we can, as you have called us to. God, I thank you so much for the blood of Jesus, his death and resurrection, that makes this possible, that makes healing possible and reconciliation possible. And it's in his holy holy, precious name that I pray. Amen.